This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. You know, you've got to admit, there are few bad guys, scary guys, or stars of horror stories and films that can equal the screams and shivers unleashed by this one man, Boris Karloff. Along with fellow actors Lon Chaney, Bela Lugosi, and Vincent Price, Boris Karloff is recognized as one of the true icons of horror cinema. His real name? William Henry Pratt. Born November 23rd of 1887 in Camberwell, London, England. Now, he was educated at London University in anticipation that he would pursue a diplomatic career. However, he emigrated to Canada in 1909 and joined a touring company based out of this province, Ontario, and adopted the stage name of Boris Karloff. He toured back and forth across the U.S. for over 10 years in a variety of low-budget theater shows, eventually ending up in Hollywood, reportedly with very little money to his name. His big break came in 1931 when he was cast as The Monster in the universal production of Frankenstein, directed by James Whale. Now, the aura of mystery surrounding Karloff was highlighted in the opening credits as he was simply listed as a big question mark. The film was a commercial and critical success for Universal, and Karloff was instantly established as a hot property in Hollywood. He quickly appeared in several other sinister roles, including Scarface, 1932, the black humor, uh, the old dark horse, or the old dark house, that is, 1932, as the namesake oriental villain in the mask of Fu Manchu. And tonight... He stars as a man who stashes his wife behind a wall in the basement on Inner Sanctum. Lipton Tea and Lipton Soup present Inner Sanctum Mysteries, starring Boris Karloff. Good evening, friends of the Inner Sanctum. This is your host to welcome you through the squeaking door into the land of ghosts, vampires, and other gay, hilarious people. Friends, are you looking for an apartment? Well, we have just the place for you. It's sturdily built, completely of marble, with cold running water every time it rains... You don't have to worry about the landlord putting you out. The lease is forever. All you have to do to get this little love nest is call your undertaker and get yourself a little bit dead. <laughs> Mr. Host, I assure you, no one is the least bit interested in your offer. But, Mary, just think. 
Once you're dead, you can appear on Inner Sanctum. You know, we always have a ghost in our story, someone whose voice comes back from the grave and gives advice to our characters. Yeah, sometimes I think our theme song should be, My Mummy Done Told Me. <laughs> Why, that's very funny. <laughs> but you know, Mr. Host, talking about voices coming back, that's what happened to me the other day. I heard my own voice coming back to me on the radio while I was eating breakfast. No. Yes. I just heard the new Lipton jingle, and then I heard myself. Yes, there I was, talking about Inner Sanctum and about Lipton Tea, too. Hmm. You see, it was a record, uh, an electrical transcription that I'd made, all about Lipton's brisk flavor, how Lipton's always tastes fresh and full-bodied, never wishy-washy. And you know what? There was a man on the record who talked almost like you, Mr. Host. An imposter. I'll kill him. Oh, it was just in fun. He made spooky remarks when I talked about Lipton tea. <laughs> but I did get a chance to say that Lipton's is the largest selling brand of tea in the whole world. All right, Mary, you've had your chance. And I'll make room for the creepiest voice you ever heard. The curdling kid himself, the star of stage, screen, and radio, Boris Karloff. Tonight's story is called The Wailing Wall. It's an original radio play by Milton Lewis. And you'll hear Boris Karloff in the role of Gabriel Hornell. All set, friends. Then turn out the lights, curdle close to the fire, and listen. Night. And on the waterfront of downtown Manhattan, the fog creeps in like a crawling cloud. Tucked in between the towering skyscrapers, there's an old rundown mansion. An anachronism, a freak among the streamlined giants. It's the Hornell home. And tonight, leaping tongues of flame from behind the black shutters. There's it, Johnny. Is there anybody in that old dump? It's an old guy lives there, don't Gabriel Hornell. No be had sense enough to get out at places like a tinderbox. Yeah, pretty well gone. There's it. Get that horse. Hey! hey, there is someone in there. Get the action. Come on. I'm right behind you. Watch. Get out of the way. Ah! Hurry, will you? Ah! I knocked it off. All right, come on in. You see anyone in there? No. We can't stay. Ah! Hey, ah! there he is. Oh, the crazy coot. He didn't even have sense enough to get out. Here, grab a short there. Oh, don't hook me. We're just taking you out. I don't want to go out. We ain't asking you what you want. Come on, Johnny. Before this joint collapses, oh, take me out. I can't leave the house. Good evening, Mr. Hornell. I hope you're feeling... Mr. Hornell? Mr. Hornell? <laughs> the head nurse... And Harry. Hello? Hello, this is Nurse Hopkins on the 18th floor. Gabriel Hornell is not in his room. The window is open from the bottom. It, there's a letter. I know, but I'm sure he's not alive. Oh, the, the letter? Yes, I'll, I'll read it to you. Uh, to whom it may concern. By the time, By the time you, time read, you read, this, read this, I shall, I shall be, dead. be dead. There can be no mistake this time. Death holds no fear, no terror any greater than what I've endured in life. For the past 40 years, I've searched for freedom. I hope now I've found it. Even now, as I write, I can hear her voice. 
calling to me as she did that night years ago. I'd prepared everything while she was in bed. Just the last few minute little details had to be completed. Gabriel! Gabriel, do you hear me? What do you want? What are you doing down there? I'm... I'm fixing something. Well, why don't you come up? I don't want to be alone here. I can't bear to be alone. Come up, Gabriel. What's the matter with you? Why don't you answer me? Oh, you're just doing it for spite. I know you are. Stop that hammering, Gabriel. You know I can't bear that noise. Now stop it, please. Gabriel, will you stop that noise? Oh. You came down. Well, of course I came down. Did you expect me to lie there while all this racket was going on? Now, you know I'm a sick woman, Gabriel. What are you doing there anyhow? You can see. Well, yes, I can see, but it doesn't make any sense to me. Oh, you've made a huge gaping hole in the wall. Now, what on earth did you want to do a thing like that for? You'll find out soon enough. And, and what are all those things? Stonemason's tools, cement, plaster. Well, I never dreamed you knew how to use them. Oh, I'm going back to bed. No, Agnes. No? No. Gabriel, that rope in your hands. Yes. I've thought carefully about this rope, Agnes. It's the most merciful way. It leaves a little trace since there's no blood. Gabriel. You won't make it difficult, will you, Agnes? Murder. It's the only way. No, Gabriel. We couldn't go on like this. Your imaginary illnesses, your constant nagging. I, I have to be free of them, Agnes. But murder? This is best for both of us. No, Gabriel. Send me away. Do anything you want. You can get a divorce. A divorce there, see? That would solve everything. You could have your freedom. Stand there, Agnes. Just as you are. I know. That other woman, Dorothy Carter, that actress. That's why you're doing this. Oh, you thought I didn't know about that, Gabriel. Well, I do. Yes, I do. Oh. No. No, let go of me. That rope. Help, help, somebody. It will be done in a minute. Done? No. You'll never be free of me. As long as you live. Never. The cat saw everything with its yellow eyes. The cat saw me take her body to the tomb I'd made in the wall. The cat saw me place her there and carefully seal it up. I worked quickly, skillfully, with infinite care. First the bricks, one on top of the other, then the plaster. Then the wallpaper to match the rest of the room. That wasn't very difficult. In a short time, it was done. I was free. To do now was to go to the police and report her missing. It was even simpler than I'd thought. I put on the coat. I was about to open the front door when I heard it for the first time. I thought it must be my imagination. I listened carefully. I rushed to the wall, put my ear to it. What I heard made icy perspiration ooze out of every pore of my body. The wail was coming from the wall. It was like the insane shriek of some creature of another world. Was she alive in there? She couldn't be. She was dead. I knew she was dead. And yet I heard her voice wailing. I could swear it was her voice. I couldn't go out as I'd planned. What if someone else should hear it? 
But they go to the wall, investigate. The doorbell. Oh, it couldn't be at this hour. It, it couldn't be, but... But it was. Who? Oh, I, I had to risk everything and answer it. I'm sorry to disturb you, Mr. Hornell. It was Patrolman Cleary. He was the officer on the beat. He was blue with cold. I was passing by and I saw the lights on. I peeked in the window. You... You looked in? Yes. Since you were still up, I thought I'd ring. It's a bit of cold out tonight and I'd like to warm these old bones for a minute. Oh, oh yes. Yes, of course, Cleary. Don't stand there in the door, man. Come in. Come in. Thank you. I see you got your coat on, Mr. O'Neill. You just got in? Only... Only a few moments ago, as a matter of fact, I, I was going to see you. See me? Why, yes. It's it's about my wife. Hi, something wrong? I I hope not. I was out all evening. When I got home, she was gone. It's not like her, Mr. O'Neill. No, it it isn't. Was she alone all evening? Yes, I, at least I think she was. You know, she hasn't been feeling very well lately, and I... Why, I hate to think it possible, but but she may have destroyed herself. Mrs. O'Neill? No, she wasn't the sort. Oh, she was ill, terribly ill. I tried to keep it secret until she recovered, but the doctors knew. Insane? Yes. Don't you see? The river. I'd better get back to the precinct and report this. You'd better come with me. The missing Persons Bureau will... Hey, Mr. O'Neill. Yes? You must be mistaken. Isn't that her? That... that isn't a woman. Of course it is. She's coming from that room there. Well, sure, it's your wife. I know her voice and she sounds like she's in pain. But it can't be. There's no one in that room. Well, she wants to come in the back way. Come, I'll show you. No, don't go in. Huh? Nothing. There. You can see for yourself there's no one here. No one could have sworn your wife was in this room. Well, how'd you like to live in a house with wailing walls? Well, one thing you have to admit, things aren't so very dead in the Hornell mansion. Or are they? Well, all I can say is I'm glad I don't have to live in that house with that awful wailing. Why, Mary, there's a wailing, whistling kind of noise in your house, too. The first time I heard it, I was so scared, I shivered in my shroud. Oh, you're talking about my whistling tea kettle. Oh, goodness, there's nothing scary about that. Now, if you'd only try Lipton tea with its wonderful, brisk flavor, that whistle would sound as cheery to you as birds whistling in the morning. Especially on these chilly mornings when a cup of Lipton's just makes you feel like the sun was shining inside of you. And folks, if you want a sunny disposition, you should try relaxing with a cup of Lipton tea after a hard job like, well, maybe washing out your window curtains. Yes, and what's more, you can help your friends feel right with the world, too, by serving them Lipton tea when they come to visit you. Mmm, Lipton's always taste so tangy and heartwarming. Never flat or wishy-washy. Yes, that brisk flavor makes all the difference in the world. All right, friends, we've given you a chance to warm your blood. And now we fondly hope to turn it to ice again. With the help of our star, Boris Karloff. Oh, let's hear the second act of Inner Sanctum. <laughs> 
We continue with the strange letter left by Gabriel Harnell. Jerry watched in silent fascination as the cat screamed and leaped against the wall. Would he notice the new wallpaper in the dim light? Suddenly, the policeman turned to me. Yes, I... I guess that noise is only the wind. Strange how like a wailing woman it can sound, isn't it? Yes. Well, I'll be leaving now. I guess it'll be all right for you to stay here. I'll make a report at headquarters about your wife. It's very good of you, Cleary. If she turns up, you let us know? Yes, I, I'll let you know. Good night, Mr. O'Neill. Good night. He left. I locked the door and came back to the room. The room where my wife was entombed. Was she still alive inside the hollow of that wall? I listened all that night. The wailing rose to a high, insane shriek. And then towards morning, it began to grow weaker. As though she were losing strength. And it seemed to die. The cat crept away. There was a merciful silence in the house. She was dead. She had to be by now. I sank down onto the sofa into a feverish sleep. Somewhere a bell was tolling, calling the mourners to the grave. Suddenly I sat bolt upright, shaking, trembling. Oh, I'd been dreaming. The front doorbell was ringing. It was night again. How long had I slept? The house was silent. Oh, there was nothing to fear now. I ran to the door, opened it. Hiya, kiddo. D Dorothy. Well, are you going to keep me out here in the cold? No, no. Come in. Come in. I, I haven't been... I haven't been feeling well, Dorothy. Is that why you forgot our date tonight? I, I must have overslept. What time is it? Ten o'clock. Ten? I must have slept clear through the day. Well? Aren't you glad to see me? Glad? Why, yes. It's a, it's a delightful surprise. Well, that's more like you. Come here, kiddo. You've got the blues, but... Dorothy will wipe them away. Give us a kiss. What? What's that? Just... Just the wind. Oh, no, it can't be the wind. This is a very old house, Dorothy. You sometimes hear strange noises. Oh, I've never heard anything like that before. Sounds human. Oh, she's still alive. Even after 24 hours... Suddenly, I realized that the doorbell was ringing again. There was a large pair of wooden sliding panel doors between the room that we were in and the vestibule that led to the street. I wasn't going to take any more chances. There's someone at the door, Gabe. Yes. You wait here, Dorothy. What are you doing? Closing these doors. Why? I'd advise you not to ask too many questions. Evening, Mr. O'Neill. Officer Cleary, who are those men with you? Hey, I've got something to show you, Mr. O'Neill. You'd better brace yourself. It's not going to be pleasant. All right, bring it in, boys. You can put it over there. What? What is it? 
It's a body. A woman. Just fished out of the river right near here. She can't be dead more than 24 hours. My wife? That's hard to say. You see, the body got caught in the propeller of a boat. It's not easy to recognize it. Unless it was examined by someone who knew her very well. Like yourself, of course. Let me see it. Take away the burlap. Look, Miss Darnell. Oh. I know. It's pretty bad. Is... Is it your wife? Agnes? Yes. Yes, of course. It's... It's her. You're sure now? Yes, I... I'm sure. Positive. All right, boys. Take it away. You can stay here, Mr. Arnett. I'll take care of everything down at headquarters. Good night. Good night, Cleary. Luck, fate, whatever it is that seemed to control men's lives was playing directly into my hands. They'd never investigate now. The nightmare was over. This time I was really free. Suddenly, the panel door opened. Dorothy was standing there. A curious smile on her lips. I heard everything, kiddo. You did? So you were married. No longer, Dorothy. My wife died. Suicide. So I heard. Now everything will be quite all right and we can get married in a few weeks. We'll have money, lots of money. She left you plenty, eh? She was very wealthy. <gasps> What's the matter? Nothing. Nothing? <laughs> I see what happens to your face when you hear that wail. Did you kill her? What are you talking about? Did you murder her? You heard what he said. She was found in the river. You can fool a dumb copper, but you can't fool Dorothy. That wail. It's queer. Awfully queer. Look at what that cat's doing, will you? Jumping up on that wall like it's gone crazy. Yes, there's something about that wall. That's what the cat's trying to tell me. Something about the wall. You better stay away from there, Dorothy. I'm going to find out something. Yeah, put that I am. book end down. Not till I'm done with it, kiddo. What are you doing there? I'm going to break through that wall. You crazy fool, stop it. No! Here, give me that thing. You're too late, Gabe. I've broken a hole through, and I'm going to look. Now you've seen. Yes. Is it the hand? The hand of a woman. Her, your wife. Yes, Dorothy. You murdered her. Yes. Well, ain't you the kid? What are you going to do about it? What do you think? I want money. Lots of... That... That rope. Yes, this rope. <sighs> it leaves no telltale traces. Oh, no, no, kid. I, d didn't you get it? It was all a joke. No, don't come any closer. Don't scream, Dorothy. It won't do you any good. Gabe, listen to me. I, I don't want a cent. Not, not one penny. I love you. I love you, I tell you. I, I, I'll keep your secret. I'll do anything you want. Anything. There's that rope. Take it away from my neck. Don't give it the name of heaven. Don't, don't raise it. She was dead. I took her body... Put it in an old trunk in the storeroom of the cellar. I had to think of some plan, some way to get rid of those bodies. In my confusion, there was only one thing that I was certain of. 
I must never leave the house, not even for a minute. I never did. At nights, I would sit there, listening. Then it would come, the wail in the wall. I knew that after a week, she couldn't be alive. What made the whale? Plans? <laughs> I thought of a thousand plans, but all of them would mean that I had to leave the house, and if I left, someone would hear the whale and find out, just as Dorothy did. Fire. Yes, fire. That would do it. The idea danced like a flame in my mind. But no, no. They discovered charred bones of the skeletons among wreckage. No, it wouldn't be worth it. The only way I could be safe was to stay there in the house. I stayed. I, who had risked everything for freedom. I opened it. Mr. Hornell? Yes? I'm Mr. Crawford from the bank. May I come in? Just in here, in the vestibule. We've written to you a dozen times, but you've never replied. What do you want? Well, Mr. Hornell, you may not realize it, but you've overdrawn your account. The money your wife left is gone. Gone? So short a time? So short? Why, she died 40 years ago. 40? It seems only yesterday. We've been investigating. Even the grocer who used to supply your food no longer will extend you credit. What do you want with me? I'm not starving. If you'd see your face, you'd realize that you are, Mr. Hornell. Now, if you'll only be reasonable, we can see to it that you get $250,000. A quarter of a million? How? By selling this house, it's become very valuable. No. You get out of here. Get out. But, Mr. Hornell... Get out! Very well. He was right. I was starving. That night, when I heard the wailing begin again, I came to a decision. I, I had spent 40 years in the house. More punishment than criminals receive who've committed even worse crimes than mine. I'd take a chance. I opened the wall I'd sealed up 40 years ago. She, she was still there. But the wailing continued. Why? Why? I looked into the tomb I made for her, and then I saw it. I saw this thing that had ruined my life. It was a tiny hole in the outside wall that I'd made when I first broke it open. The wind rushed through and made that horrible wail. Ah, what was the use? I took a match out of my pocket. I set its flame to the curtains. In a moment, the place would be an inferno. I decided to stay. I wanted to perish with the house. In death, at least I'd be free. But even then, freedom was denied me. They rescued me brought me to this hospital. I had the nurse make inquiries from the police. She told me. No, there was nothing unusual found among the ashes. 
Everything was burned to a fine powder. If, if I had only set fire to the house 40 years ago. But no matter. The window is open. And it's 18 stories to the ground. I will soon be free. Everybody's dead but the cat. We overlooked him because we couldn't find him. Of course, I'm sorry that that wall made such an unpleasant noise, such a tuneless wailing. We tried to teach her to whistle the new Lipton tea jingle, but we didn't have time, eh, Mary? (laughs) (laughs) Now, you just stop teasing me because I'm not going to talk about the Lipton jingle now. No, and I'm not going to talk about Lipton tea either. Instead, the Lipton people want me to remind you folks about something important. I mean the victory loan drive. You know, friends, we've been buying bonds for many years now. But this drive is in some ways the most important. Because if a job is worth doing, then it's worth finishing. The bonds you buy now won't buy weapons. No, this time the money will help bring our boys home. It will also help take care of our wounded soldiers. Provide them with the finest medical care in the world. And friends, we can certainly do no less. And the victory bonds you buy now will help launch our veterans into a safe and secure post-war world, the kind of world they've been fighting for. Yes, you're helping others and yourself, too, every time you buy a victory bond. So buy all you can, won't you? All right, friends. Until we meet at some haunted house, here's a parting thought. Don't seal your wife in a wall... That won't keep her quiet. (laughs) Oh, by the way, this month's Inner Sanctum mystery novel is Devil in the Bush by Matthew Head. Yes, and next week's Inner Sanctum story, directed by Hyman Brown, and brought to you by Lipton Tea and Lipton Soup. Next week's story is about a man who gets hunches. His hunches are about death. He's sure he's going to be killed, not by poison or fire or strangling... Nothing simple like that. No, our character has a nice, interesting death waiting for him. Oh, if you'd like to be in at the death, drop in next Tuesday. (laughs) And now it's time to close the squeaking door, so... Good night. Pleasant dreams. Folks, the colder it gets, the more we all enjoy a good hot plate of soup. And for soup with a fresh, home-cooked taste, you can't beat Lipton's noodle soup. Yes, Lipton's is blessed with a real chickeny flavor, and it's just swimming with tender golden egg noodles. But listen, Lipton noodle soup takes almost no time at all to prepare. And Lipton's is economical, too. Costs less and makes lots more than canned soups. So don't forget to try Lipton's noodle soup... And don't forget to tune in next Tuesday night for another Inner Sanctum Mystery. Stay tuned for Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy on Theater of the Mind. (laughs) 
makers of Chase and Sanborn Coffee bring you the Charlie McCarthy Show. Greeting you on behalf of Edgar Bergen, Charlie McCarthy, Ray Noble and his orchestra, Mortimer Snurd, and Pat Patrick. Today marks Edgar Bergen's 10th anniversary on the air for Chase and Sanborn Coffee. And on this special occasion, many of his old friends have promised to drop in. It was just about 10 years ago that Edgar and Charlie were making the rounds of the different agencies, hoping to get an interview. And finally, the big day came. They were sitting in Rudy Valley's office. <laughs> Well, Bergen, we've been waiting here for Rudy Valley for three days. I'm getting hungry. Hungry? Yeah. Well, I'm the one that's hungry. I tell you, Charlie, I'm so starved, I could almost... Uh... Don't look at me that way. <laughs> no, I'm just skin and bone, Bergen. I'd, I'd only stick in your teeth. No. <laughs> Are you sure this is Rudy Valley's office? Oh, it must be. There's a picture of Rudy Valley looking at a picture of Rudy Valley. <laughs> <laughs> Excellency, Rudy Valley. Will everybody rise, please? Welcome, your crewnership. Good morning, Jeeves. Take my raccoon coat and bring me my diamond-studded megaphone. Uh, Mr. Valley, we came to talk to you about your radio program. Yes, awfully good, isn't it? <laughs> well... <laughs> It's not that so much, but what we really want is we were... Excuse me, very busy man. Yes, yes. Hello, it is I, Rudy Valley. <laughs> it is I. Grammatical blighter, ain't he? <laughs> yes, yes, that's right, absolutely right. Yes, indeed. I'm the president and founder of the Rudy Valley Fan Club. Send all dues directly to me. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. Now, let me see, what were we talking about? Well, Mr. Valley, I wanted to ask you... Oh, yes, you... you want my autograph, no doubt. Well, no, we don't. It... Well, just what are you fellows doing here? Well, I'm a ventriloquist. A what? A ventriloquist. I talk through my stomach. That's nothing. I sing through my nose. <laughs> Acrobats, jugglers, now ventriloquists. I'd have everything thrown at me. Even grapefruit. <laughs> oh, this is a thankless job. I spend my days and nights looking for talent, high and low. Well, why don't you hire us... I hadn't intended to look that low. <laughs> well, we promised to work hard. Well, are you reliable? You boys don't drink, do you? Oh, no. Drink? We hardly eat. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to take a chance on you anyway, against my better judgment. Oh, thank you, Mr. Valley, thank you. I deeply appreciate your generosity. Oh, stop licking his hand off. <laughs> and now, Mr. Valley, uh, what about money... Oh, that's all right. You won't have to pay me anything. No. Well, now that the deal is set, if you'll just sit there and be quiet, I'll rehearse my big song number for the broadcast. But I'm just a vagabond lover in search of a sweetheart at sea. Edgar, old boy, there's so much confusion around here. And you, you seem all a Twitter, you know. Well, I ought to be, Ray. It's my 10th anniversary. Oh, yeah. <laughs> how jolly. I wish I were only 10. Uh, no, no, never mind, Ray. Just, just, just let it go. Let it go. 
Come in, come in, come in. Hello, friends. Hello. Uh, friends, uh, I am a Western Union boy. Oh, you are? Yeah. Well, no, no, I'm not exactly a boy either. No, no. no. But I am young for my age. Oh, yes, you yeah. are. But you are from Western Union. Well, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not really a member of the Union, no. Oh, I see, you're not. Uh, and I'm not exactly a Western you're either. Not a Western. No, either. I'm just out here for the winter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, that's very interesting, but do you have a wire for me? Well, I'm not supposed to give it to you. I'm supposed to sing it to you. Oh. Yes, but I'm not in good voice today no. because I have an empty touch of Quincy. Yeah, I... <laughs> Well, then, read it. All righty. Uh, it says, uh, yeah. and I quote, oh, sure. uh, Greetings and felicitations. Mm-hmm. Uh, may you always continue. Hi, Edgar. Well, Donna meet you. Greetings and felicitations. Oh, wait a minute. That's my line. <laughs> Just a moment. And now I'll continue with my wife. Yes. Uh, greetings and felicitations. Oh, for goodness sake, my God! Uh, what's the matter? Friends, this is a night letter. Yeah. And I cannot read this until after dark, so goodbye, all. <laughs> well, this is a surprise, Don. Yes, sir. I couldn't let an important event like this go by, Edgar. Well, well, well. Hiya, fellas. Hiya, Moochie. Hiya, darling. <laughs> Look what I found. Donnie Lamour. <laughs> How are you, Don? Oh, Dorothy, I see you're more beautiful than ever. Yes, Donnie, you're as slim and as graceful as a pawn at daybreak. What's your secret? Well, Don, I always watch my figure. Well, who doesn't? (laughs) Oh, Charlie. Oh, Donnie. Oh, brother. I guess you lovebirds want to be alone, huh? Yeah, do you mind a moochie? We want a smoochie. Oh, come on, Edgar. I want to talk to you. Okay, Don. Oh, Dottie, what have you been doing since last date we had? Oh, nothing. Just giving my diary a chance to cool off. <laughs> oh, those were the days, weren't they, Donnie? Yes. You were so cute when you used to come and call on me. We used to sit on my porch swing holding hands and eating peppermint. Yeah, well, don't tell everything. <laughs> oh, wasn't it wonderful? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I could sure go for some of those peppermints. <laughs> Oh, you little rascal. Uh, Remember that little song you used to sing to me, Dottie? Oh, you mean this one when it goes... That's the one. That's the same one, yeah. You go to my head And you linger like a haunting refrain and I find you spinning round in my brain Like the bubbles in a glass of champagne You go to my head Like a sip of sparkling burgundy brew And I find the very mention of you Like the kicker in a julep or two The thrill of a thought That you might give a thought To my plea cast a spell 
fellow for me. Still I say to myself, get a hold of yourself. Can't you see that it never can be? You go to my head with a smile that makes my temperature rise. Like a summer with a thousand Julys You intoxicate my soul with your eyes Though I'm certain that this heart of mine Hasn't a ghost of a chance In this crazy romance cream cones. Get them while they're hot. Oh. Hello, Mr. Burger. Marty McSnerd. Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing selling ice cream cones and popcorn? Well, I, I hear there's a, there's some kind of a celebration here for, for Annie. Annie. Uh, you mean anniversary? Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's the girl. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why, Mortimer, most of these bags of popcorn, they're only half full. Uh, yep, that's right, yeah. Why is that? I like popcorn. Oh, I see. <laughs> <laughs> well, how much do you make on a bag when you sell it? Well, I buy them for ten cents a bag, and then I turn right around and sell them for a nickel. I see. <laughs> what kind of business is that? Well, I think they call it, um, oh, they call it, um, overhead. Overhead. <laughs> Yeah. What do you mean, overhead? Well, it's over in my head. I don't hear that. <laughs> oh, hush up out there. Bunch of city slickers, you know. Better can't say nothing around here without them rowdy snickering at all. Now, be polite, Mortimer. That's our audience. Gee, they let anybody in, don't they? Yeah. Well, they let me in. Hello, Mortimer. Yeah. Remember who this is, Mortimer. Let's see. Um, oh, give me a hint. <laughs> oh, never mind. It's Dorothy Lamour. Well, can't you give me a better hint than that? <laughs> Why, you must know her. Why, we're old friends. Well? Yes. Well, any friend of yours uh, is, a, is a friend. Uh, any friend of yours is a friend. Let's see. Um, <laughs> what was the discussion? Oh, <laughs> Mortimer, after all the years we were together and you don't even remember my name That's a fine how do you do How do you do? Well, I'm sure you know me, look at me Oh gosh, I ain't old enough for that yet 
You, you're too pretty for your own good. Oh, looks don't count. No. Well, mine do. <laughs> oh, you're so cute, Mortimer. Oh. You have such pretty blue eyes. <laughs> pretty blonde hair. Oh. And the cutest little dimple. Yeah, I got a mole on my stomach, too. <laughs> You know, you're really irresistible. No, I'm really Mortimer. <laughs> I'm awfully fond of you. Yeah. Wouldn't you like to kiss me? Oh, gosh, thanks. No. What would you think of me afterwards? <laughs> you turned down a chance to kiss Dorothy L'Amour. Mortimer, you must be the most stupid person in the world. Well, thanks. But this is your big day. Let's give you some of the credit. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Better. Thank you, Don. The funniest person was that character I used to play, Gazola. Yeah. <laughs> I'm inclined to agree with you, Don. We had plenty of laughs for that character. All those in favor <laughs> of having me do Gazola again, say aye, aye, I demand a recount here later. <laughs> Not so fast for that. <laughs> Go ahead, Don. What business is Gazola in this time? Well, let's make him Leonardo Amici Gazola, doctor of dentistry, one flight up. One flight up. Right. <laughs> And this tooth is killing me. Well, that's all right, Charlie. The dentist will see you now in just a moment. Yeah. You won't have to suffer much longer. Well, I I don't mind the suffering so much. It, it's just a pain I can't stand. I know. Hello, 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 and how do you do? Well, hello, Dr. Hoyt. I'm Edgar Bergen. You were highly recommended to me, Dr. Hoyt. Well, that's a fine. That's yeah. a fine. But uh, Dr. Hoyt, he just stepped out to have his teeth fixed. Oh, he did, I see. Yes. <laughs> well, who are you? I'm his substitution. Substitution. <laughs> Filling in for a friend, huh? I'm a Michi Gazzola, first class dentist, DDS, RFD, and SOS. Yeah. Pull the teeth while you wait. Yeah. Gazzola, <laughs> if you're a dentist, I'm Dorothy Lamour. Please to meet you, Miss Lamour. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> I think Charlie has a cavity, Doctor. Oh, now, yeah? do, you, do you do fillings and inlays? Oh, sure, sure. We got inlays, outlays, decays, stowaways. Yeah. <laughs> Sundays, Mondays, always. All right, all right. All right. This is awful, isn't it? Oh, no. All right, come on, kid. Jump in the side of the chair here. Now, now, just a moment. I don't know. Oh, what's the matter? What's the matter? You know, I could very smart. If we were smart, we wouldn't be here. <laughs> come on, kid. Climb up one of my chairs, sonny boy. Oh, no, no. You're not going to sing me into that. Now, tell me about your prices, doctor. Can you give me rock bottom prices? I'm just the fella. I got it the rockiest bottom end of the city. Well, that's... <laughs> What are your rates? Oh, rates? Yes. Rates, do you say? Well, yes. I got to cut the rates, V8, sofa plates, and a blue plate. Yeah. With the two kinds of fungi pie. So what is this? All right, come on, kid. Open the chair, bambino. Okay, baboono. <laughs> All right, open it wide to the mouth now. Uh, uh, Holy mackerel. 
Quite a wind tunnel, ain't it? <laughs> oh, say, that's a bad. That's a very bad. Yeah. Let me see. Where is my pliers? Yeah. Oh, no, no, you don't. Let me out of here. What's the matter? I'll come back. I'll come back when you're not here. I... Look, kid, oh. later, later is no good. Oh. This is too the might to get us so bad that we got to amputate your head. Yeah. <laughs> now, which of the she's hurt? Well, I'm not sure which one it is. I think it's my cuspidor. You cuspidor? It's the one I spit through. <laughs> Look, kid, from experience, let's play him safe. Let's pull them all out, huh? Yeah. No, no. Hand me down, no. my novo kid. Hand no. me down, hey. my novo kid. Wait a minute. What's the matter? You China chiseler, you take it easy. You're not going to pull any of them. Okay, okay. Let's not pull them. Let's fill them up, huh? Yeah. Fill what up. the kind of feeling you like? It doesn't matter. Lemon or coconut custard. Or... <laughs> Kid, how about some nice pongi pie, huh? Now, don't start that again. No, all right. We'll start. Doctor. Yes. It should either be gold or silver filling. Oh. That's quite obvious, I think. Now, what do you want? What do you want in your teeth, Charlie? I don't care. Just as long as they have white side walls. All right. <laughs> Uh, for the last time, Doctor, how much is it going to cost me? Well, look, let's make a figure out here. All right. We've got to use a little multiplication here. Yeah. Uh-oh. Got a little subtraction, too. Uh-huh. Let's see. There's the X-ray. X-ray. Fill of the tooth. Fill of the tooth. That's a two for five and a three for ten. Yeah, one for all and all for one. Yeah. That's all right. This is a smart kid, ain't it? <laughs> let's see. We punch into the ten to pull out the tooth. Yeah. Well, on the cheek, yeah. let's yeah. bring it over this yeah. side of here. <laughs> And pull this one over here and bring it down as yeah. it fits here. You carry one and I'll carry one. <laughs> okay. How does it come out, Doctor? What do you know? Is it come out two kinds of pongi pie? That's all, brother. That's all. That's all. <laughs> oh, Don, that gazola and all my travels, there's never been a dentist like that. Well, you ought to know because you've been on the road to everywhere, Donnie. <laughs> oh, you think Gazola's funny, huh? Where do you hear my French character, Pierre Soubon? Ah, boom, swell. Yeah, no, no, not that. Not that. Not that. Hiya, gang. Hi, oh, hello. Well, welcome, Nelson. Oh, it's swell to be here, Edgar. I always enjoy shaking hands with old faces. Yeah. <laughs> well, don't look at my face. Yeah. By the way, Nelson, you were excellent in that Disney picture, Make My Music. Oh, thank you, Edgar. Yeah. You know, Charlie, Nelson did all the voices and the singing for all the whales, too. Yeah? Did you share equal billing with a whale? No, no. I was the main squirt. Yeah, I see. <laughs> oh, blubber. Am Yo. I hot tonight? <laughs> Say, what do you think, Charlie? I think you better sing. <laughs> oh, I never have any fun. Ah, uh, temper, temper now. All right, Charlie. I'll sing the number I did on the first Chase and Sanborn show. Great day. Well, great. When skies were dark came Noah's Ark on land. When lions were king, Daniel's Lord Herman. Lord helps those who pray, and on judgment day. If you believe, he shall receive you home. When you're down 
and I'll lift up your head and shout, there's gonna be a great day. Angels in the sky promise that by and by there's gonna be a great day. Gabriel will warn you, some early morn, you will hear his phone. Rodito Colton, it's not far away. Hold up your hand and say, there's gonna be a great day. There's gonna be a great day. There's gonna be a great day. Charlie, we heard Nelson sing the same song at his concert. It was two weeks ago, I believe. Oh, were you there? Yes. Yeah, yeah, we certainly were. And, and, uh, uh, well, I shouldn't say this. You, you don't mind uh, constructive criticism? Oh, no, no, not at all. <laughs> well, I'll tell you this confidentially. Mm. Your, your, your voice was good, Nelson. Thank you. Oh, it was good. I appreciate it. Yes, but, uh... Now, you don't mind this, man. No, I don't mind. Go on ahead, Charlie. Your, your diction, your diction was a little bit bad in the last number. I couldn't understand a word you said. Oh, Charlie, I, I sang that song in Italian. Aha. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, that explains it. Watch it next time. I'll, I'll say no more. I guess you're embarrassed enough as it is. <laughs> Oh, Charlie, Charlie, you don't get it. The song was written in Italian. Well, so what? You see a sign that says, This way to Pismo Beach? Doesn't mean you have to go there, does it? You see, this song This song was written by Mozart. And he's one of the greatest composers that ever lived. Well, if he's so good, why don't you have him write it in English? Now, Charlie, Mozart is dead. Oh. But his works are immortal. Yeah? He'll live forever. He's dead, he will live forever. <laughs> He's up, he's down. Why don't you guys get together? You know, uh, Mozart was responsible for the marriage of Figaro. Oh, so they finally got hitched, huh? Yeah, <laughs> yeah but I don't give that one six months. <laughs> <laughs> Edgar, I don't like to spoil the fun, but it's close to goodbye time. Well, you're right, Rudy. By the way, we sincerely appreciate you giving us our first start in radio. Wouldn't you like to say something? Yeah, Rudy, say something. Ladies and gentlemen, yeah. I apologize. Well, <laughs> I want to thank you, Dorothy Lamour, Nelson Eddy, and Don Amici for making this evening such a memorable one. Good night. Good night. And thanks to you, our radio audience, for listening to our show for the past ten years. And we hope you will listen and will continue to welcome us into your homes every Sunday evening. 
And to my sponsor, the makers of Chase and Sanborn Coffee, I am deeply grateful for a most pleasant association and for making this program possible. Next Sunday, when Edgar Bergen, Charlie McCarthy, Ray Noble, Anita Gordon, and Pat Patrick will welcome as their guests Roy Rogers and the Sons of the Pioneers. When you're buying coffee, think of us and ask for Chase and Sanborn, the coffee with shade-grown flavor. to the courtesy of Paramount Pictures and will soon be seen in my favorite brunette. Don Amici appeared through the courtesy of Procter & Gamble, makers of Dream Shampoo. And Rudy Valley appeared through the courtesy of Philip Morris. Ken Carpenter speaking to you from the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences Theater in Hollywood, California. NBC, the national broadcasting company. Thank you for listening. I hope you'll join me next week when I uncover more gems from the golden age of radio. And thanks to Joel Shonoel and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.